0: Learn more about Messianic Judaism and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. It was exactly seven years ago, in May 2016, I gave a sermon on this week's Parsha, and I opened with this picture of the Liberty Bell. Ooh, ah, look how beautiful it is. No picture? All right. This is a really a a sermon on humility. So I'm showing you that I even, even I make big mistakes like this. Um, But anyway, I was going to show you a picture of the Liberty Bell um, in Philadelphia. It was rung for the inauguration of presidents and to commemorate many important events in American history. And there's an inscription on it. It reads, proclaim liberty throughout all the land." Unto all the inhabitants thereof. Let me read that again. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. This uh, is from the National Park Service website about the meaning of the inscription in terms of American history. Quote, the State House Bell became a herald of liberty in the 19th century. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. The bell's inscription provided a rallying cry for abolitionists wishing to end slavery. The anti-slavery record, an abolitionist publication, first referred to the bell as the Liberty Bell in 1835, but that name was not widely adopted until years later. Millions of Americans became familiar with the bell in popular culture uh, through George Lippard's 1847 fictional story, Ring, Grandfather, Ring, when the bell came to symbolize pride in a new nation. Beginning in the late 1800s, the Liberty Bell traveled across the country for display at expositions and fairs, stopping in towns small and large along the way. For a nation recovering from the wounds of the Civil War, the bell served to remind Americans of a time when they fought together for independence. Movements from women's suffrage to civil rights embraced the Liberty Bell for both protest and celebration. Pennsylvania suffragists, that's uh, the women's right to vote, commissioned a replica of the Liberty Bell. Their justice bell traveled across Pennsylvania in 1915 to encourage support for women's voting rights legislation. And that's it then sat in silence until the passage of the 19th Amendment in 1920. Now a worldwide symbol, the bell's message of liberty remains just as relevant and powerful today. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof, unquote. This scripture is... Uh, spoiler alert, it's actually from this week's Parsha. That's why I'm talking about it, right? And it's found in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10. It refers to something called the Yovel, or uh, sometimes translated as the Jubilee. Raise your hand if you've heard of the the year of Jubilee. Okay, so how does liberty or freedom fit into the Jubilee year? And what is this all about? Well, this, this week's Parsha, for me, has the four R's. The four R's. You thought there were three Rs, right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Although if you think those are the three Rs, then you need to work on your writing because that's there's, there's, those aren't R. Anyway, but uh, but there's four R's here. Okay. Rest, renewal, release, and reset. That is what this is all about. Rest, renewal, release, and reset. And there's a reset at a certain interval of time. What is the most important number for rest and reset and renewal and release? Seven. You got it. Whoever said, I heard some sevens over here. Okay. So if you said seven, you get what? A Torah point. Yes. Thank you for playing. Robert has played before. Okay. All right. So there's a reset every seven years. So I thought what I would do is I'd just do the same sermon I did seven years ago, right? maybe you won't notice. Well, no, I'm just kidding. But I am going to revisit some of those things, and uh, but I'm going to explore some new things because the sevens is not only about uh, going back, right, the, the cycle, but it's also about renewal. So there's going to be some new things, okay? I started working in the ministry about eight years ago. So last fall, it was about seven years worth of of work, and what did I do? I took a shabbatical, a shabbatical, which was my cutesy way of saying sabbatical, but it brings out the the word shabbat, it brings out the the Sabbath or the the, the seven years, and I think I think it was connected to my working in the ministry for seven years, and the Lord knew that I needed a break, and there was a rest and a reset. And uh, that was very helpful in my transition because I had just become a father. And so I was able to start my eighth year of ministry refreshed and renewed, Uh, not only because I was able to reset, but also thanks to the other leaders and the staff who stepped in and, and led here from the Bema in my place. These rhythms of seven are actually built into the Torah and God's calendar to help us reset and rest. Not only on Shabbat, but every seven years, as we'll see in this week's Parsha. So let's dive right in. Do we have the uh, do we have that? There's nothing there. <laughs> okay, you just have to listen to the <laughs> they're they're all judges. Okay. well, um, I'm sorry to hear that. All right, so we'll dive into the Parsha and you'll have to listen to the sound of my voice. And uh, if you'd like to follow along on your, your Bible uh, in your hand or on your phone, feel free to do that. We're in uh, Leviticus 25, starting in verse 1. Then Adonai said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to B'nai Yisrael and tell them, When you come into the land which I give you, Then the land is to keep a Shabbat to Adonai. For six years you may sow your field, and for six years you may prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there is to be a Shabbat rest for the land, a Shabbat to Adonai. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You are not to reap by what grows by itself during your harvest, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. It is to be a year of Shabbat rest for the land." Mm. Whatever the Shabbat of the land produces will be food for you, for your servant, for your maidservant, your hired worker, and outsider dwelling among you. Even for your livestock and for the animals that are in your land, all its increase will be enough food. So what I like about this is that it says that the land itself needs to rest, and even the animals need to rest remember the land is holy and is connected to the promise of abraham but the land can't just keep going year after year so it's almost like they're personifying the land right imagine if you were to give the land a name what would that be i think lando lando would be a good name right so that's what the that's what the torah is doing saying lando every 7 years you need to rest right Because that's going to replenish your nutrients and it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for for Israel. Um, And so what happens? Israel has to do what? They have to trust, as we'll we'll see. Okay. So, um, well, let's keep reading. Um, Now, there's a natural worry that I think that the Lord anticipated, right? And you might be able to anticipate that as well, right? If you're not working the land for an entire year, what's going to be your worry? What am I going to eat? Yes. Okay, very good. Another Torah point. (laughs) So this is what the Torah says right after. Now, if you ask, if we aren't allowed to sow seed or harvest what our land produces, what are we going to eat the seventh year? Then I will order my blessing on you during the sixth year so that the land brings forth enough produce for all three years. The eighth year, you will sow seed, but eat the old stored produce until the ninth year. That is, until the produce of the eighth year comes in, you will eat the old stored food. Okay, so God's got it covered. We experience uh, this sort of temptation every week, don't we, On, on Shabbat. There's a temptation to work on Shabbat because otherwise... When am I going to get it done, right? You know, we've all been there. It's Saturday afternoon. You're kind of like, uh, what am I going to do, right? Maybe I can get something done. But, uh, you know, if you're rest, what are you giving up? You're giving up potential revenue time, right? Time to work and earn and build. However, the rest for the land, our friend Lando, right, can all also be translated as a release, right? That's another way to, to translate the word Shemitah, which is release, The nutrients are replenished and renewed. The land is released, it's freed. And so are Israel. The people of Israel are released in that time. In trusting God and not working the seventh year, there's a release, right? There has to be a trust because what am I gonna eat? I have to trust the Lord. When we release something to God and trust, what do we have? We have freedom, right? We can breathe, right? Let's all take a a little reset right now. There's freedom. There's joy there when we release something to God. These Shabbat rests are sometimes interruptions to us, right? My week wants to spill over into my Shabbat. And sometimes it feels like Friday evening gets here too soon. Does it ever feel like that? Right? But that's precisely the point. Can't, Can't the Lord interrupt us? Doesn't he have the right to interrupt uh, our time with his appointed times? Kiva moed, the appointed time has come, whether we're ready or not, right? And so that's a time for us to enter into that trust. If we allow him to interrupt us, then we listen to his voice and we take that rest in him. When I lose something, I will sometimes pray to for help finding it right if i if i'm going around i need i need some help lord and sometimes there's a gap i don't know if this has ever happened to you a gap between the prayer and the actual finding sometimes it's like lord where's that thing and oh there it is right sometimes it's immediate but sometimes there's a little gap right and what do we do with that gap right well in that time in that prayer hopefully we've released it to the Lord Lord I think you want me to find this thing right? Whatever it is, but I'm going to trust you with it. And I, and I know that I'll find it at the right time. And so the time in the middle is the waiting period, right? And if we've released it, the Shemitah, if we released it to God, then it's not so bad. It's not so bad waiting. And this can apply to anything that we're waiting for, right? If we release it to God, right? If there's that release and that trust, then the waiting isn't as difficult. This idea of trusting God is also connected to providing for the poor, providing for the needy. This is what the Torah says. Let the outsiders eat from it the seventh year, not just yourself, right? Let all the, you know, your, your servants, they're all going to eat it and, and the outsiders. So when we release something to God and trust him, we should also turn, it helps us to turn our gaze away from ourselves, right? Sometimes we're like, this is what I call navel gazing. Do you ever do that? You're just like looking at your own navel, like, oh, I'm thinking about myself and all of my problems. And, you know, there's a time for that. <laughs> I think we all do that, right? But this idea of releasing and trusting God gets our eyes off of our own navels, right? And then we're looking to God and we're looking to others. A full release gets our focus off of ourselves. Similarly, in the Gospel of Matthew, Yeshua encourages us To not worry about what? What we'll eat, what we'll drink, but to be, on the contrary, generous with others and to press into trusting God. So all these things go together in the Torah, right? Trusting God, compassion for others, releasing our concerns and releasing our possessions and focusing outside of ourselves and focusing on the Lord. So let's continue in the Parsha. This is uh, verse eight. You are to count off seven Shabbatot, seven Shabbats of years. Um, this is very similar to uh, last week's Parsha when it says you're to count uh, seven Shabbats of days, right? Which is uh, counting up to Shavuot, which is what we're doing now, counting the Omer. You're to count off seven Shabbats of years, seven times seven years, so that the time is seven Shabbats of years. How many is that? See, it is it is the, the second R, arithmetic. You didn't know that. I slipped that in there. How many years is that? Seven times seven? 49. Okay, there we go. 49 years. On the 10th day of the 7th month, there's another seven. What's the 10th day of the 7th month? It's an important holiday. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. You are to sound a shofar blast. You are to sound the shofar all throughout your land. You are to make the 50th year Holy and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Gee, that sounds familiar. (laughs) That's what's on the Liberty Bell. It is to be a Jubilee, Yovel, to you when each of you is to return to his own property. And each of you is to return to his own family. That 50th year will be your Yovel, Jubilee. You are not to sow or reap that, that which grows by itself or gather from the untended vines. Since it is a jubilee, it is to be holy to you. You will eat from its increase out of the field. So this is like the ultimate reset, right? The seven times seven is is a big, big reset on Yom Kippur. This is the section, as I mentioned, with the Liberty Bell quote. All the land is returned to the original owner. This prevents anyone from losing their inheritance due to poverty. So it's really a Um, a way to to prevent um, impoverishment in in israel also um, it says that all of the servants who sold themselves um, to pay their to pay their debts what happens on the year of the yovel they're freed all their debts are forgiven after seven times seven years the idea seems to be to prevent the oppressive cycle of poverty Um, Leviticus 25, 30, 35 and 36 says this, if your brother has become poor and his hand cannot support himself among you, then you are to uphold him. He may live with you like an outsider or a temporary resident. Take no excessive interest from him, but fear your God so that your brother can live with you. So there's, there's a concern also for others, a concern for the poor mixed into this idea of the rest and the reset and the release. The issue here is that there would always be some people poorer and some people wealthier. Um, But the idea is that the poor would not be so poor as to lack their basic needs. And the wealthy would not be so powerful as to exploit others. So the land could not be permanently bought, taken from the inheritance of an Israelite. Every 49 years, there's a reset button on the land ownership and Lando goes back home. So that's good for Lando. All of these regulations are designed to get Israel to think about how they treat people, not to take advantage of others, not to exploit the needy, to bless the poor, to deal fairly, to develop an ethic of compassion. There is a promise associated with this ethic of concern for others, God's blessing on the land, its produce and securely living there. When we rest and reset in the seventh year or, you know, for us on the seventh day, It's a time to get away from self-centered thinking and entering into trust and compassion and humility. When I was on my Shabbatical, I would visit here at Tikvat and I would come and and worship sometimes. I was still the rabbi, but I wasn't functioning as the rabbi. So it allowed me to just come and worship with my spiritual family. And it was very, actually very good for my soul. Why was that? Because I was able to understand myself apart from my function as the leader of the congregation right i'm still a child of god and i was able to understand my my identity in in messiah better and uh, i had to entrust the congregation to god i had to release this congregation from my soul to to god in the care of the other the other leaders and uh, and i imagine there's lots of um denominations within yeshua faith that have almost mandatory sabbaticals for their spiritual leaders for pastors and rabbis. And I think that's, I think it's wise because it enables that reset enables humility and release and, uh, and it, it helps uh, to, to kind of reset and refocus and reprioritize. Um, It was, it was humbling and it enabled me to reset my work life balance. Now that I was a dad, because I had just gone through a, a transition as I mentioned so these times of renewal and resetting, they can be challenging, right? Because it's it's causing us to humble ourselves, but ultimately it's healthy and it's rewarding. Why? Because we trust God. We release these things to God. Going back to the land again, our friend Lando, we know that the promise of land is very important, part of God's covenant with Abraham and the Jewish people. And yet, It's not carte blanche. It's not unconditional. The land has to be stewarded and used rightly because the land is holy. This is how verse 23 puts it. The land is not to be sold in perpetuity because the land belongs to me. Who's the me there? The Lord. The Lord is saying the land belongs to him. You are only foreigners and temporary residents with me. You're just gerim and toshavim, foreigners and temporary residents. So these are these are very strong statements, right? But what what is it? It's an analogy. The Lord is saying the land is yours in the sense that I've promised it to Abraham and his seed, but the land is also mine, meaning the land is the Lord's, meaning that you are stewarding it, and that shows us that everything that we have everything that we own, this tallit, this jacket, it's mine in a sense, but it's really the Lord's, right? Our families, our homes, our possessions, our even our very lives are not really our own because we belong to the Lord. We were bought with a price. So he's saying the Israelites are like foreigners. They should think of themselves that way because their inheritance belongs to God. And so everything that we have belongs to God. Why is that? Well, you can't take your possessions with you. That's that's the thing. I mean, you can take them as you leave the building, you can take them with you. Please do, because we have a church that meets here on Sunday, and so we don't want to leave your possessions for them. But I mean, in the larger sense, you can't take it with you, right? Um, so that means that we are temporary residents, here. We are gerim, we are toshavim on this earth, on this land, right? So the rest and the reset reminds us that we're strangers. And we may have some possessions, but they're all temporary. And the rest, the rest and the reset gives us perspective on the temporary versus the things that are eternal, the things that are permanent. Um, Now, there was something I wondered as I was reading about the laws of the Yovel, the Jubilee and the return of the land, and the freeing of the indentured servants every 49 years, and the Shabbat rest every seven years. Perhaps you're wondering the same thing. Did Israel actually do this? Have you ever thought about that? Was the law of the Jubilee ever applied? The quick answer is, we don't know. But my sense is that no, it was never applied. For one thing, there's no evidence of it in scripture that I'm aware of in the historical books. Secondly, Israel was exiled from the land. Why were they exiled from the land? For disobedience, for exploiting the poor, and not fulfilling the commandments, and for idolatry. And one of the commandments was was this one. In this week's Torah portion, the Lord warns Israel that if they continually disobey the Lord, not only by uh, not letting the land rest, but all the idolatry and hurting the poor and deliberately not following his commandments, what's going to happen? The land is going to spit them out. And so, and this is what it says in the Torah, the land will finally have rest. If you're not going to let the land have rest, then Israel is going to be kicked out so that the land can rest our our friend lando can finally have his his break <laughs> so uh so baruch hashem it's interesting that the way that the the torah personifies the land in this way but it gets us to think creatively about the land as holy and the people as holy second chronicles 36 21 gives us the result and the reason for the exile to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths, <clears throat> Lando gets to enjoy its Sabbaths, all the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. So that number 70 of, of the first exile has to do with this uh, idea of not keeping the the Yovel, not keeping the, the Sabbaths. And implies that during the first exile, the land was, was uh, um, getting its Sabbath back. It's sort of being refreshed at that point. And, but it, it didn't get it while Israel was inhabiting the land of promise, if that makes sense. So how can we enter this Sabbath kind of rest, right? We've talked about the every seven years, every 49 years. We've talked about the Sabbath day, the Shabbat right? But how do we enter into that trust, that freedom, that re- resetting? I think it has a lot to do with clinging to Messiah Yeshua, um, because he is central to this kind of freedom and this kind of reset. This is from Luke uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 16. Now, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, On Shabbat, he went to the synagogue as usual. He stood up to read, and he was given the scroll of the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written, The spirit of Adonai is upon me. Therefore, he has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the imprisoned and renewed sight for the blind, to release those who have been crushed to proclaim a year of the favor of Adonai. Where do we see all of those themes? A lot of scholars see the year of the favor of Adonai as what year? The Jubilee year, the Yovel. Yeshua is bringing the essential meaning of the scriptures into fruition in his own ministry, in his own day. Freedom for those that are in bondage, just like in the year of Jubilee. Healing, redemption, reconciliation, justice, Mercy, compassion. He said, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor. Isn't that what the Jubilee was? Right? Isn't that wasn't that good news? But he's personifying that in his own life, in his own ministry. We have the opportunity today to continue in this ethic, right? We can give to charity like Kevra or the Israel Benevolence Fund. We can bless those that are in need here in our own community and local local charities. We can be generous with our possessions and our resources, knowing what? It all comes from God. And ultimately, we can't take it with us. So let us allow God to develop in us that ethic of compassion. And we can enter into a a resting trust with God, a Shabbat type of rest in every area of our lives. Anything that we're concerned about, everything we're worried about, we can give a a release of that to the Lord. So uh, this is... uh, from the book of hebrews let's close with this and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest was it not to those who were disobedient so we see that they were not able to enter in because of lack of trust right and it's talking about entering into the the land of promise it's again connected to the land why do they why were they unable to go in disobedience and lack of trust so by reverse reversing that, we see how we enter in, obeying his commandments and trusting him, releasing, releasing those things to him. And later it says in chapter four, so there remains a Shabbat rest for the people of God, for the one who has entered God's rest has also ceased from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. So I want to encourage us, may we all enter into a Shabbat through trusting. May we focus less on ourselves and more on the needy. And may we rest, reset, release, and renew on this Shabbat and all of God's appointed times, all of his moedim. Abba, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, and uh, we thank you for these times of Shabbat, these times of rest, Sometimes they seem like interruptions, Lord, but we, we know that you're doing something um, through your appointed times. Help us to be more outward focused and more upward focused and to entrust all of our possessions, all of our things to you, um, everything that we have a concern about, that we can release it to you. And we thank you for the, the freedom, the release, the year of Jubilee that we have in Yeshua, who paid all of our debts on the tree. Um, and paid for our sins so that we can be free, and so that we can be free to obey you and follow you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.